0: a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Hey, you guys. Today's episode is brought to you by Live Right Press, the publisher of a novel called The Red Car by Marcy Dermansky. I read this book. I read The Red Car. Have you read The Red Car? You should read The Red Car. The Red Car is a novel by Marcy Dermanski, it is a terrific novel. I say that not just because Live Right is sponsoring this episode. I say that because I actually really, really liked it. The Red Car. It's a good novel. It's it's uh, enjoyable. You can read it in one sitting. You can read it in two sittings. You could read it in as many sittings as you want, but you can read the book in one sitting. And yet, it packs a punch. It packs a wallop. A lot of stuff happens. It's a very sexy book. It's a very uh, moving book. It's a funny book. It's a lot of things. The Red Car by Marcy Dermanski, available now from Live Right Press. It's a novel. You can read it. Go and get it. Oh, my God.
1: You are not alone. You have found other people. You and I have a friend in common. Every stupid thing
0: that a writer could do, I've done. I think it's really beautiful. Gee, I what a struggle,
1: you know? It was incredible. You know, It was like your head exploded seeing what was really there.
2: And now here's your
0: host, Brad Liste. Just one, wow. Okay. 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 Right. This is the Other right. People podcast. This is the Other People show. It's good to be with you. on am Brad Liste. I'm in Los Angeles. Thank you for listening. I appreciate that. Cool AD is my guest. Uh, he's a musician, he's a visual artist, he's an author. His new novel is called Okay. It's available now from Sorry House Press. Uh, recently, a reporter asked Cool AD to describe his book. He asked him what it's about, and uh, this was his response. It's about sex, drugs, art, music, books, pornography, capitalism, and its alternatives, crime, violence, race, class, culture, celebrity, obscurity, anonymity, the politics of the day-to-day, apathy, the guilt of first world privilege, globalism, the internet, being broke, being poor, being rich, being in the middle, the middle class, in quotes, class, aspiration, myth, the prison industrial complex, spirituality, detachment, wonder, awe, spectacle, modernity, post-modernity, theft ownership nature the sun the moon the trees the mountains the oceans the cosmos mythical gods and real ones life death love wealth poverty racism just a few things that were running through my head so that's cool ad on his own book it's called okay it's available now from sorry house press it's a novel shall we get to the interview here he is folks this is cool ad (laughs)
2: up man how you doing
0: (laughs) i'm all right you you, you, are you enjoying your time in los angeles because you're from the bay area
2: people from the bay area tend to not like los angeles yeah i feel like that was uh i feel like i've been obligated to hate on la since i was a wee child yeah but um pretty much every time i go to la i like it more and more to the point where i'm fully like on board with los angeles you down here a lot um yeah actually because i stay in baja now so it's like uh closer to come to here you know, we got friends and some family and uh
0: What do you mean you stay in Baja? Uh
2: like Baja California, like Mexico. Yeah. Um we you, moved there January. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So uh, That's where but, you make your home. Yeah, yeah. That's kinda of the home base though. We're here a lot. You're you an expatriate. I'm an expatriate now. It's expat, a good t- yeah. it's a good time to be an expat. Oh my god. I'm uh yeah, it was that was one thing. I was worried that that, that this would happen and I was kinda secretly hoping it would not, but uh now it's Seems very like everybody that was kind of naysaying or weirdly wondering about why we we're doing it. They're all like, "Oh, we about to cro- come crash to your house now." So how far so- how far south of the border? Like um, you down like near Cabo, or are you up north? No, no, not that far. Not that far. We're in still, it's still Baja Norte. I think they call it technically, but it's in, it's like a little south of Ensenada, like two hours south of the border. More okay. or less. That's cool. Yeah. And it's like, what's the community like? Uh, it's super, I mean, we're like off a little dirt road in the country, but we're right off the beach too. And we're right by like, you know, some kind of like touristy, like, like uh, you know, cruise ships will come and have like little tourist groups come to this little, little bazaar, right, by us or wherever you want to, like a little marketplace. And then, um, you know, like, uh, it's like, they're... There's, like, uh, vacation homes. There's a lot of vacation homes, so it's mostly people that aren't even there r- year-round. And then the people that are there year-round are, like, retirees, you know, like... So it's old. you
0: and a bunch of retirees. Yeah, pretty much. Rapper, <laughs> author... And a retiree. And retirees. <laughs>
2: that's exactly where you belong. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And it's a beautiful place.
2: Uh, yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah, the, we're, like three, like, three minutes up the hill from a beach that's essentially a private beach. It's, like, a little... You, know, you um, surf? Uh, I have surfed a few times now. Uh, I don't surf, really. I'm You're going to get bad. good, though. You I live think there. I'm a, yeah, I just need to get a board because I've just only borrowed boards so and far. And so you've
0: got need. a kid down there. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Raising your kid in, in Baja. Yeah,
2: I think, uh, you know, she's, she sees a lot of the state stuff, so, you know. So right. You go back and forth a lot. A lot, yeah, so. It's um, easy. Going. Yeah, it's super easy. Well, the way back, we still need to get the whole century lane thing where you... You apply, it's like a three, four month process. You got to wait for them to like vet your background. To do what? So that you can then get like a pass where you can drive in this one lane that's like hella faster than the
0: oh, it's like at the airport where you can go through security exactly,
2: quickly. and actually you can apply for that too at the same time, so you can you know flying out of it's easier too and all that stuff. So I kind of do been, that, yeah, yeah.
0: Especially like when the shit hits the fan, I want to be in that lane. So oh, bro, yeah, the Mexico,
2: yeah, the Mexico lane is is like I don't know why people would like Canada, sure, like you know the healthcare care and you know blah blah blah. I guess it resembles the. Uh, Amenities provided by the United States a little more it's like people be talking about okay, I, I don't know Mexico's the one though I feel like what I about went.
0: yeah what about it though you you're you're an American citizen, but you live in Mexico. is there any kind of red tape you got to cut through in order to be able to live down there
2: um no, apparently not I mean maybe at some point like we just we went we didn't do any sort of paperwork um I mean well, I guess you know what we got we got we're still in the middle of doing some paperwork but in theory, you could just go down there and, like, no one really cared. We, we didn't even have to, like, yeah, dude just... didn't do a pack background check when he, you know, it's like, super Wild West when it comes to, like, renting or doing anything down there. And they're, like, they're happy for some American money, so they're not going to be asking hella hell of questions. Yeah.
0: Oh. Plus, it's, you know, it's the United States and Mexico.
2: Yeah, it's, it's very much, you know, we're in former Mexico right now, you know? That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, you're from the Bay
0: Area. Mm-hmm. Born and raised the
2: whole yep. childhood, yeah, yeah, uh San Francisco first, and then Alameda when I was like eleven twelve home of the Oakland mm-hmm. county Coliseum, right yeah, oh uh, actually Oakland Coliseum is technically still o- in Oakland, but okay. it's uh the Raiders practice in Alameda, they're, Okay, they're maybe practice that, field, maybe
0: that's what it is, yeah and, and
2: then Oakland airport is technically it's technically Oakland, but it's basically on a part on an island essentially that is a, the second half of Alameda, like okay. there's Alameda and Bay Farm Island, which is part of Alameda proper. And then the airport, the Oakland airports on Bay Farm Island, so it should be should be um Alameda really as the landmass, but it's technically Oakland. Okay. And so you, we like, you know, it's right next to Oakland. It's like a, another neighborhood essentially, you know, like a suburb of Oakland essentially. And you had a good time growing up there? Um yeah, you know, I was like not the hugest I when we moved from I liked San Francisco better. When I was, you know, when we moved, I was kind of upset, but then I got into the East Bay, and, like, definitely in terms of, like, sports teams, I'll root for the East Bay at this point more, but, you know, I still like the the Niners and the Giants and stuff, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. You can't, um, that's a rare case, too, because, it's like, it's very, in the same way that the Bay hates on L.A., the East Bay hates on San Francisco, you know? Right. And... And kind of vice versa, but San Francisco isn't really as concerned about that beef as the East Bay is, I think. But well, I feel like
0: that's that, that's I mean that's the way it is. I think uh, L.A. and San Francisco. I feel like San Francisco uh,
2: hates L.A. more than L.A. has hates yeah, San Francisco. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Totally. I feel it's the same thing with. Yeah. Then the next step further is East Bay hates on SF more than SF. I think it's just like SF is a larger city than Oakland and its constituent areas or whatever and it's then, also changed a lot i mean i was just talking
0: to somebody on the show uh recently mm-hmm. who grew up in in those parts i've had i think i've had multiple conversations with people who are from up in the bay area you know how much things have changed over the course of their lifetime
2: oh man yeah it's uh, san francisco just fully just became like a manhattan kind of situation where you can't really you know we sort of got edged out too as a when i was a youth it was you know uh, things were kind of I don't know. Well, it wasn't really got edged out, but it definitely became... We definitely couldn't go back once we had moved to the East Bay. It was like, oh, this is... You know, it was like a... Priced out. Yeah, definitely you get priced out. Like, uh, And then it was like a night... You know, East Bay was... Is uh, is getting there too, you know? It's like, I guess this is kind of like... You the, know, whole, cities, the whole Bay Area. The, the whole Bay Area. It's like a pretty hard to... You know, you know like part of me... I just, <laughs> Like I was saying off the mic earlier, just to explain, I, I might be, you know, belching here and there, <laughs> off mic. So. Victor, Victor fell off the vegetarian wagon and fell ate off, it. Yeah. The what kind of meat rack.
0: did you eat? You ate a lot of meat.
2: Uh, yeah, I had a, I had like a, what do you know, uh Like I, I even rarely eat pork now, just because like on paper I'm a Muslim. I had to sign this little thing saying that I'm a Muslim, so I could uh, travel in uh, Iran with my wife, who's over there. What's up? Shout out hey. cold Days. Hey. <laughs> um, and I think since doing that, I've like gotten weirdly guilty about eating pork. And I don't even, I, I've been avoiding that regardless. But then I had like a little bacon omelet when we were on the way up. We stopped at a little cafe. And they really only had, I was like, I want to get some meat because I haven't had some meat in a while. They only had bacon, which is, like, the worst for my stomach, probably. And then, so I had <laughs> but it that. So, but it tastes so good. Yeah. And <laughs> then we stopped at some, like, Asian, like, strip mall spot halfway up, and I knew all some stuff that that was probably what my day. it was a little greasy. It was kind of like a... And then, then, on top of that, I had a steak when we got to the hotel, so I, I think the combo of all three was just like, I shouldn't have gone that hard. I you was like, well, I already fell off the wagon. I'm going to just go hard. You're going to do it all. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey everybody. If you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long awaited craft book by Steve Almond
2: Bay Area, what did your uh, what did your folks do? Um, my f- mom at the t- well, you no, know, she still works. She works in TV news basically, so she does. Uh, at the time, mostly when I was a kid, she was like doing writing, and then uh, eventually became like more of a producer. She's she'll occasionally shoot and edit and stuff too, but pretty much a producer now for uh, it's CBS now. But she worked at all the different TV stations. But she met my dad. When they were both working in the shipyards, uh, Bethlehem Steel in San Francisco, just like. Uh, they
0: were both working? Your mom was working in the shipyard?
2: Yeah, she was like, uh, she was doing like, a, like, a, what do you call it? Um, well, she was going to journalism school and like doing the shipyards for some money on the side, but also kind of like, you know, somewhat like a Marxist type, you know, was in the union, all that stuff. Did her like photo essay dissertation or whatever you call it for uh it was like it was it was like a uh, experiential journalist or whatever yeah exper- you know she was she was like you know down to she wanted to live the lifestyle of that i guess but she also ended up taking pictures of all her workmates and making that her per- like school project too so but she also that's where my she met my dad who was who just happened to be working there too so they you know um and he they like then he got a job at a cliff hotel like uh cooking he, he he's been he went to uh since they met they he went to culinary school and uh hotel management at SF uh, so he's a c- good cook city. yeah he's a great cook yeah um and he was like the kind of the sous and second in command at the kitchen there so they you know he's met all he met all the like he's got a lot of good like you know prince came there and robin williams and uh, what at the cliff he, hotel cliff hotel what is that, is it, that i've it's, heard of uh, it then. it's it was four seasons it was like originally it was its own hotel it's like a historic hotel in san francisco and then four seasons owned it for a while then and then some other kind of big hotel conglomerate on them they've, they've been through all the changes at this point i heard that it got like a little like it's a historic old building but it's like i don't know what what they're up to now i heard it they weren't you know, as in high standing as they they used to be, like sort of a fancy hotel, fell off not, a yeah. little bit. They Once your dad did your dad leave? Yeah, probably That's since what, he left, it fucked know? it all up. Yeah, exactly. So, what did Prince say? Does he? I mean, uh, what are the stories? Oh uh, yeah, the Prince story was really good. It was like, um, ah, man, he he tells it better than me because uh, he's also it's like depending on how drunk he is and how many people are over, like the story he'll just do go do extra details. Yeah, sure. So, but like uh, like the short of it is basically. You know, he shows up, he has, like, a little contract thing, like, a little thing print, printed up, like, instructions. Whitney Houston, I think, had the same thing, like, don't look her in the eye <laughs> type of stuff. And, like, only certain hours where you're allowed to go in to clean when she's out. And, well, you know, that that's basic stuff. But, you know, like, there was, like, really By the way, weird... I'm, I'm not allowed to look Victor in the eye during this entire interview. <laughs> yeah. He was—yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I had— faxed over some <laughs> no but the, it was uh, when he was uh, going by the symbol at that time so you were supposed to like address him as mister and then put your finger to your lip oh my god like like, <laughs> you know <laughs> so it would be like would you like you know would you like a, some more wine, Mr. Shh <laughs> You know, you don't do the shh, but I was just, you know, for, it's radio, so I put the finger on it. And we got to give people a cue. Yeah, exactly. Good God. Um, and then uh, he, he decided that he wanted to, uh, he was like, he was supposed to eat in one dining room, but then asked them to move this big oak table to this other room that, like, you don't, typically dying in it's just like a it's, like a it's like a it's like a 1200 pound table yeah so like they had to they just did all this you know they were just kind of like jumping over who you know, jumping through hoops for dude and then i think at some a certain point he oh he says i'll be i'll be down in you know in like 10 15 minutes and then he's, he's like an hour later it he shows up in like you know five inch heels and he had taken the stairs so it was like <laughs> <laughs> you know stuff like that and then uh at a certain point, he, like, visits the employee cafeteria and has a meal there or something. You know, he's just, like, a super, like... He's a man of the people, though. He's a man of the people. He'll have, you, and, he'll
0: have you move a 1,200-pound oak table, but yeah, he'll but also he's go to still, the... but he still,
2: you know, but he still wants to uh, rub, rub elbows afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. I, I'm a huge fan of Prince, and
0: it just makes me think about celebrity. Um, you know, I'm kind of of two minds on it. Like, that seems like prima donna-ish behavior, and a little bit absurd to make yeah. people accommodate you in that way but then, but then it's then fun it's fun <laughs> but also like if you're that famous yeah. it's got to suck to be in public yeah like, yeah it's the so, only way you can po and like and then i think people tend to be amenable to your uh concerns and so you just get used to it
2: yeah you definitely i'm sure you know it's like everyone was kind of he said uh sean connery was like super low-key that he uh he was um
1: oh wait there
2: was a good one. Oh yeah Muhammad Ali was with. he came and um his handlers like lost track of him they couldn't find him and they found him outside on the street just handing out hundred dollar bills to people passing by and like homeless people and stuff like Fuck that yeah so it's like some of the fools are like super like Sean Connery was like he just get one um one bowl of oatmeal in the morning every he stayed there while he was shooting some movie in San Francisco he got one bowl of oatmeal in the morning without fail with some raisins and cinnamon every day. And then one day, he got two bowls of oatmeal, and everyone's was like, oh, damn.
0: He's <laughs> going crazy. Well, you know, that's I like, mean, it's all. That's it's like right. the Sean Connery equivalent of Victor eating like bacon and uh, yeah, steak.
2: That was definitely that was, that, that was the podcast-worthy moment of Sean Connery's stay over there. <laughs> So okay so
0: I I can kind of see this you, you know your mother has a journalism background your father I feel like there's a, a creative element to the culinary arts Yeah yeah definitely So you come you know, from you come from sorts. Yeah you come from uh, creative people um your mom's uh, good with language like where do you get it from
2: Um well my mom both of her parents were uh writers too actually so um her mom was like she wrote like a super official like um what do you call it like it's like the the book like that Mario Puzo like read before like writing the Godfather. basically well, not the one, but like one of the main historical sources that he used. Like she wrote like a definitive book on the mafia. Oh wow! And like you know, interviewed both sides. Like interviewed uh, like literally like Corleone family people like legit like heads my last name's listy my ancestors are from corleone sicily wow so there you go that's probably why we you know ended up in this room (laughs) but uh yeah i mean so i've I've read the book it's like one of my favorite books like period um it's you know and she also but she also like wrote a book on leftist movements uh, uh specifically violent leftist movements in in europe and you know interviewed uh uh what's his what's his face the jackal Car- carlos the jackal uh-huh um might be a good time to read this work uh i i actually started rereading uh, <laughs> uh that one i i never got through the whole thing but now i'm definitely like fully reading it and, and i it's... feel i
0: feel like the sort of things you're talking about you know the things that your parents and your grandparents did seems like something that's very common in the bay area oh yeah i mean you that's, to have uh, parents who are really politically engaged to have parents who really live it like oh, i think yeah. like so many people like that live in the bay area it's not as common in other places it well seems yeah like.
2: i mean i think the 60s had there's a huge influx of uh fools that you know like the hippie movement and uh in the east bay you got the black panthers um you the hell's angels too you can't like rule them out as a political group especially back then though there's definitely some complication with them and there's some uncomfortable crossover with some essentially hate groups with those fools. So, you know, he, can, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a slippery slope. What's interesting about, or it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a perfectly, it's a subjective picture. It's like, a, but yeah, essentially, you know, you just, it was an epicenter for, you know, very, uh, a countercultural cultural movement um, that continued, you know, it's not a thing that like, that just goes away. Like these people. St- you know, your ideology might shift or change or mature or uh, regress even, or do this or that over the years. But those ideas were thunk and they they don't disappear. They they just resurface in this or that way. So yeah, you're carrying on a legacy. Yeah, you're carrying on a legacy, I guess. And then yeah, it's yeah, the Bay Area is super distinct for that. I'd say. What kind of kid were you? I was like, uh I guess pretty mellow i occasionally had like like a. I I got like as a super young kid they they would tell me and i and i remember too like i like i would have the occasional little temper tantrum like i had like a weird temper but essentially i was more or less like a mellow kid i like like watching tv and reading books and stuff i like i mean i played sports just because i knew i kind of had to be stay in shape or whatever but i wasn't really big on sports you know were you good Um, I was, I was decent, you know, I was like baseball, I was like medium to not so good Soccer, I was like on the better side, you know, uh, but like, yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't like not athletic. I wasn't like big sports. I was more like books, kind of indoors comic books. You that guy? Uh, I like comic books. Yeah. I had like a, a strong, good, like, you know, eight years of really liking comic books, I guess. But uh, I kind of, you know, and I still dabbled with comic books in in um, high school and college. But I don't know. I kind of lost interest. I kind of wanted to be a comic writer. I did. I made a bunch of comics. I probably made more comics than I read. Well, um, you're a visual artist too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I you mean, do a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was. I'd say primarily, you know, it's it's all from a writer aspect. Like I, I wouldn't say I'm a real skilled artist so much as like I'm about the. The art itself, you know, it's not like technique-wise. It's more about, you know, uh, pictorial storytelling and elements of narrative. And, yeah, but you have a vi- I mean, I've seen yeah. your
0: work online. You've got a very consistent visual style that you're building.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know. But it's more communicative than than straight-up techn- technique, yeah. technical, you know, yeah. I would say. Like, I I still feel like I approach every art that I participate in more mostly as a writer. Like, as a musician— more of a lyricist i play musical instruments but uh i'm not like hella good at musical instruments i just kind of learned them enough so i could like write songs and stuff you got a good voice oh shucks man thank you you do you (laughs) gotta have the voice oh you know well yeah that's a well
0: Appreciate that. <laughs> so when so when did it begin for you? Like when uh, like
2: you're in high school, are you writing or like are you starting to perform? I think uh in middle school. Well, I've like my my dad kinda dabbled with guitar. He um, when he came to the States he was born in Cuba, but when he came to the States he was about twelve years old and he stayed in um uh Hyde Park in Chicago. And they all used to kick it at this one music shop. Um and there's a record store I guess in that same area or maybe next door, I forget. A lot of stories all factor figure into like this one like you know few block radius that you know he has like he he was a real like storyteller type too you know he always has little stories or whatever but um he would kick it in this one music shop that um uh that uh i don't know if you're familiar with paul butterfield blues band i've heard of them they're like south side of chicago a couple of them are from Hyde park and um so they all Used to come into the shop all the time to, you know, buy their little guitar strings and like mess around on the instruments. And so he kind of like learned how to play harmonica from them and learned how to play guitar from them. Oh, wow. And then him and all his friends, they'd always go and sneak into there was like some auditorium in that neighborhood that like would get like big acts like B.B. King and, you know, other like electric Muddy Waters, you know, electric blues people. Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy. Like, yeah, everyone came through there. It was like one of the big Chicago electric blues venues that him and his friends apparently was pretty easy to sneak into. What was it called? I forget. Is it Kingston Mines?
0: Maybe. I don't know. I should ask him. I went there once. It's like open all night, and I just remembered it seemed like a cafeteria.
2: Oh, yeah. No, this one was like an auditorium he described it It as like more of a... But I'm sure there's... I mean, apparently, you know, Chicago, that's like a huge hub for electric blues. So there's going to be... It's a rich history of that. Oh, yeah. There, so...
0: You know, but, it's funny. It's like uh, you talk about music, and like we live in this age of streaming now. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten into this habit of uh, I call it like obituary listening, mm, because you know yeah. I get the paper. I actually get like a physical paper delivered. Oh, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yes. And I read, and I'm always like, there's almost always like a musician that died. Yeah, that's. And, and I'm always like, this God, year has been yeah, been this year It's been insane. It's and, been the worst year ever. For that, a lot, yeah. for a lot of reasons, yeah. <laughs> but you know, somebody dies and it's like, if it's Prince or it's Leonard Cohen or it's David Bowie, you know, obviously we know those guys, but I'll, you know, you still sort of listen. Yeah. I, I like that experience of like a, a remembrance and also like a tribute, but then I'll also read about musicians that I don't know. And I feel like I probably should. I yeah, mean, if they're being, they, uh, yeah, you know, eulogized, immortal, and eulogized and in the New York times. And so, you know, this morning it was, uh, Mos Allison. Oh, for real? He just passed away, and so I, I turned him on, and I was like, oh, this is, you know, so I call yeah. it, I, that's what I do now. Somebody dies, and I finally get around to yeah, playing there's... their entire canon.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just doing that with a fool, Leon, what's that fool's name? Oh, Leon, Leon Helm? Leon Helms, is it? No. No, no Le- that's Leona Helmsley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I know who you mean, though. Uh, I can picture him. Yeah, his, he had that album that was, like, called Carney, I think. Yeah. Long, used, long-haired long guy. Long-haired dude, you sort of like a freak freakish kind of yeah. uh sort of proto proto elton john kind of i know i should like, know like uh yeah. louisiana maybe it's or on the tip of my yeah. i don't know but i was re-listening to some of that and yeah no like, when fife died i like listened to the whole oeuvre and then like yeah prince i was you know prince and david bowie i felt what i like, have always been in the rotation no matter what like yeah um those guys so, are big yeah man it's it was it was a very terrible you can't wait factor to, in like just get Muhammad it over Ali with and, yeah Muhammad Ali thank like you right. keep, the list goes on no it was, it's a, it's been a terrible year for for that so yeah.
0: so okay so you go to you went to Westland? yeah yeah how did you get there from
2: uh, Bay Area uh when uh so I went to like this um school it was like a basically seventh through twelfth grade like kind of experimental school you um I don't know it was like um you remember the Arthur Anderson firm, the Enron scandal. Yeah. The people that basically <laughs> masterminded the Enron scandal and this is before the Enron scandal happened. They were one of their little tax write-off things that they did was uh you know, to give back to they picked like a uh like a struggling uh school district and like um Uh, And, you know, and put a bunch of money to, you know, start like a a school there as like one of their, you know. Like a charter school. Yeah, uh, it wasn't a charter school yet at the time. It was still technically a a public school that was like qualified under some magnet rule but wasn't technically a magnet school. Now it is technically either a magnet or a charter school. Okay. But when it first started, it was like basically if you were in the Alameda Unified School District, you could apply to, uh, and not even apply. You just write your name and put it in a lottery and you get in. Um, so that's what my sister did. And then I got in because they, they waited for siblings. So, you know, so I got in like one, after she got in, we both started at the same time. Thank God for that dirty fossil fuel
0: money. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So it was like, it's kind
2: of, yeah. But it was like one of those ones it was like kind of experimental learning. Like you don't. Well, by the, by the end of it, I didn't even have to show up that much. You know, you just kind of show up to turn in your homework. But, like, we... You call your teachers by their first name? And yeah, like you that. call the teachers by your first name. There's, like, everyone has to be in the student government. Everything is kind of, like, voted on by the kids, how the school runs. So we, like, voted for the ability to do distance learning and stuff and yeah. all that stuff. So, like... And it was kind of weird because, it's, you know... And then the Arthur Anderson fools, of course, like, would come in and, like, give people, like... like uh, public speaking uh, classes or like, like you know
0: toastmasters yeah just
2: kind of like really weird like kind of corporate training kind of stuff like <laughs> it was like clearly it's paid off yeah it i could, guess so it like could, it was one of those things where like everybody hated it at the time but pretty much everyone i know that went through that program like did pretty well for themselves and like um you know it was on the it was on the campus of Ensenal high school so it sounds I like did, a good school it was pretty good yeah yeah um Essentially, yeah, my favorite part of it was when we, I would not, I I wasn't a big fan of school in general, so I didn't really show up that much, but I was still good at getting my homework done, which is basically, I was one of the fools that spearheaded the, how about we get a distance learning program so we don't have to show up. Cause when, <laughs> and like a lot of people were already on that tip, because it was one of the things, was like a big room, it was like a computer lab, like the computer lab at a school, it was like that, but with some couches, some bookshelves with, loaded with books. You know, it was like a, it was a weird thing. I, I don't know, like, definitely hard to explain to some people. Like, a lot of people, I like, don't quite get it when I explain it to them. Well, no, I mean, it's like, you know, but, it's, it's not traditional. Yeah, it was just a non-traditional school, basically. But, so, the first graduating classes, the first, um, my sister was the first to go through the first four, uh, like, ninth through 12. Yeah. And I was the first to go seven, all the way seventh through 12. Okay. So, they hired, uh, basically, a college counselor for the those first six you know years, so like like every year that there was a graduating class, they'd try and like basically, I think it was in order for them to get like a some sort of status, they needed to get some fools into good colleges, yeah, so I prove that this is working, yeah, <laughs> and uh exactly, so basically, oh wait, no, they had cut off they they did it for the first two, three years or something. Basically, when it was my turn to get a college counselor, that was when they decided to phase that out. So I just used my sister's list and Wesleyan was on her list and I applied to all the shits and then they were the one that gave me the most money. So I went there. Damn. And I like, you know, you know, it makes me think though about college and about like
0: that transition from, it makes me think about the transition from high school to college and then from college to the world. Mm-hmm. Like, like most schools do a really shitty job of talking to students about that. Yeah, like it's basically. I just I remember my education it was you're on your own. Like, fill out some applications. Like, nobody really held my hand and like explained. Yeah, not that you need to you know hold people's hands, but
2: it's a big it's no. A big it, it would it would definitely help. I think it's just the fact that I mean, and like you know when my sister I've, I was learning from my sister going through uh, going through where, did, the where did she go already? She went ended up going to Oberlin. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, um, and I definitely looked at Oberlin too, and they they have a thing where they fly out students to come. They're like. One of the liberal arts colleges that's really like actively seeks a diverse population and blah 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 and wesleyan was another one too so she already done most of the footwork you know she found all the, the she right got to, you into that school yeah basically she got the lucky my ticket. sister yeah well and you know you gotta give it up to her little college counselor too which like really all it takes is like one fool that knows how to do the thing and just uh yeah you know um so, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I went to Wesleyan. I, I more or less liked it. I, I had some little issues with it. But, you did know, you, did you try to get a
0: distance learning program. instituted. Uh,
2: <laughs> it was already distance <laughs> enough. But yeah, I actually I,
0: went to Wesleyan, but I lived in Baja the entire time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I
2: mean, if, if there was the option to do that, that, you know, there probably was a way to do that. I should have I should have figured that one out. <laughs> Like, uh, I, I, yeah. So what were you doing there? Like, were you starting to, you were doing music there? Um, I was, I was, yeah. So yeah, to backtrack, um, I started, we had a guitar since I was a kid in the house. So I I would kind of mess with the guitar. And again, it was another thing. My sister took guitar lessons. She didn't finish. So I took the rest of her guitar lessons, but then also my dad would kind of teach us a little. And, um, and then, uh, we lived like right by like a music store in Alameda when we moved to Alameda um and like a couple of my friends were also like kind of into music and specifically like well one of the homies got really into pug rock and then we all kind of like started making that specifically and then um but uh the the music shop had uh mostly guitars and basses and amps and then upstairs there's some random drum parts and then one day the dude was like um i don't have enough drum parts here that really like weren't selling them so I'll, i'll give them all to you for 40 bucks So I like, it was just a bunch of random broken drum parts that I ended up fixing up, making a little set out of. Um, and so then I became the drummer just because I was the one that could afford the drum set. That's the one that's how it always works. Yeah, Whoever has the stuff. Exactly. And then, um, and switching to drums was actually good because I got way better at drums way quicker than guitar. I always kind of struggled with drums was like, makes more sense to me. Um, so I was mostly just a drummer. I didn't, like, really, I wrote some of the songs and, you know, I was like, I want, you know, I, I can write on guitar, but I, I'm not really good at, like, playing guitar like that. So, um, and then, you know, like, in high school, you know, people would be, like, freestyling here or there. Um, but I didn't ever consider myself, like, a rapper or, like, when did ever, that? When did that transition happen? Um, well, I recorded some raps, like, in the high school and then, like, in the, the breaks when I came back from college and... But I, I then I was I wasn't trying to show them to anybody. I didn't think they were like good, particularly good. Like the dude that recorded them, you know, I mean would he knew some fools in L.A. and some like kind of like a you know like a AC alone and a bunch of like uh, I don't know if you're familiar with like a bunch of weird indie rap circuit that's like kind of like the bus driver and and Project Blow Fools of L.A. But also like this dude Nabahi or Chesky or icon the mike king i'll listen to them when i read their obituaries yeah exactly exactly. (laughs) you'll get to them at some point once they die they're all all you know legit like you know they got like all like nice oevers anyway this fool would like play you know my raps to like his like legit at that time they were the legit fools and i was like more of a hobbyist you know um and uh uh he'd always be like, "Yeah, all, all my like rap dudes that I'm friends with or know, Like um they'll all play it for them, they'll like go crazy like, "Oh man, like what like who is this dude?" And be like, "Just a dude, he doesn't rap." Like he he says he's not a rapper. And um so and I still, I never did anything with them. Then I recorded some more shit. When when I recorded stuff with with Hema in Das Races, he uh he basically was just like got really excited about the stuff that we had made and he's kind of more like i guess maybe he wanted to be a rapper more or something so he he like was like oh let's make this the thing and i think i don't know like uh you know we did a couple shows i was already in another band called boy crisis that was like kind of like we were we went to school with the uh, mgmt and so like boy crisis i feel like was like this sort of like we saw how MGMT kind of, they were music majors and they were like real academic about like making pop music and like, uh, so we were like kind of like on that sort of t- uh, coattail, we were like, okay, let's try and like do the academic approach on like super accessible pop music. And I'd say even more so, cause we framed it within a sort of boy band kind of perspective, but you know, kind of, as we started to make more music, we we kind of gave up on that aspect and just decided to be more of a band. It's band. like,
0: can you do that? Cause like, I remember reading about Rivers Cuomo years and years ago and how he was like studying. Cause he's got like a very cerebral approach. Obviously he was like studying the work of Nirvana. Yeah. And like, he was actually like graphing it or, you know, like, yeah. And trying to kind of crack the code of why these songs <laughs> were so huge.
2: Um, like, can you really do that? I think uh, to an extent, yeah. I think everybody that, that makes music has a different way of doing it and some people do it from a more academic or scientific or whatever kind of approach and other people are are more about feeling it out and i don't know and like like yeah i've read about like uh Rivers Cuomo being like you know i've read a couple of interviews where he kind of like starts to kind of talk about that and i'd say like i like uh the first two Weezer albums are like very good very good rock and roll albums you know and i'd say the green album is a very good rock and roll album i didn't really follow them much after all that but uh like yeah i think if if that's how your brain works and that's how you want to do it you you're fully capable i'd say like frank zappa is a very like uh intellectual musician but still makes music that you can feel and i think you can fully feel weezer music like weezer's music it's still emotional still has like something like raw to it occasionally like maybe less so now you can really do something that's more distant but it's also what you want out of the the music sometimes you're in in the move for something that's more technical or in the move for something more emotional or blah blah you know but
0: i just feel like in order to get people excited and to really build a fan base and to have a connection uh, you got to be coming from a place that's true. It can't just be like yeah. uh, just a science experiment. Oh
2: yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, well, with Boy Crisis, that's we what we found is it became easier to just not make it a project as some sort of intellectual project than just write. It became easier to write the songs. It's kind of you know. Uh, but even so, it was very overworked, and it was like super. It was too democratic of a band. Like everybody, kind of did everything a little bit. Like you know, everyone was playing a little bit of every bit of instrument and everyone like fancied themselves like a primary songwriter. So it's like four. Does a band need, f- does a band need a leader? Um, it's easier with a leader, but there's plenty of bands that like, you know, they all, you know, I'd say like, uh, I like the, they, pe- people hold the Beatles up as like a, as an example of a band where all four people were like, songwriters with the exception of maybe Ringo even though he wrote some songs you know you can't, you <laughs> Octopus's, can't pay is garden. Octopus's Garden <laughs> Octopus's Garden. go super hard man like Ringo had Ringo had joints man uh <laughs> but uh yeah and there, I mean there's a, a obviously millions of bands like that you know Gang of Four it was like uh you know they they took their whole or, or Crass even or Chumbo but <laughs> you thought I talk about bands that are like they like um they live commune style or they like or they just really like live they, their songwriting reflects their like super marxist politics or whatever blah blah blah, you know um or you know, and you even kind of see it with like someone who's like a rapper and producer, i guess um like I mean Kanye to to a degree, even though he has a lot of people working for him, so I don't know, I mean it
0: works in a lot of different ways yeah
2: well' what's, what's interesting about people making like live band style music it's like you have instrumentalists i don't know it's a, it's a totally it's i don't know i guess what what uh people mess with about that's racist was we made that music without any protection uh, essentially when we started of we weren't thinking it would be anything aside from what our friends would might like you know we really did not think it was going to get big at all or like we didn't at least i didn't and i i think that hema was surprised too like uh, but that's why it worked i think yeah that's and that's and it was kind of like i would see them as breaks from like boy crisis which was a signed band like via mgmt you know some convoluted stuff we eventually got signed to this british label because they are big out in england And that, like, they have floated our name to a couple of their little record deal dudes and blah, 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 led to us getting signed. So that was the legit band at that time for me. And I was like, it was like, you know, the first time I realized I could make money doing music. Because, like, before that, I was just in just a string of punk rock bands, occasionally recorded a rap song here or there, you know, like, and the punk bands, like. I never made more than 20 bucks at a show, if that. And you'd play so many shows for free or gas money or like free food or, you know, I never even thought about it as a career option. It just seems so extravagant, outlandish. Then you're seeing MGMT do it and we're like, okay, yeah, let's do it now. Yeah. And then them putting us on. They're making this look good. Yeah, exactly. And then then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, it is like a, a duel. Do- it's like once you get some kind of foot in the door, you really could navigate it to and then you're still trying to like do like like we're trying to like figure out what does this label want from us instead of like what i want so it was like that's racist was the music i was making on the side of that which is like oh okay i'll just get to flex and do this do some songs now and then i i appreciated that and it was kind of like it came to a point where i had to choose one so i i went with the one that like came more easily to me and then um and the same thing with Leaving Das Racist. It became one of these things where we are locked in, and we have to do this or that song for this or that reason. You have to do a Lana Del Rey remix even if you might not like the song. It's you know, and it's money so you can't turn money down. With your labels asking you to do this? Yeah, it was like it was actually not even uh we didn't have a label Das races. We had when we finally we did the two mixtapes basically on our own and then we did a and we had like a you know manager P- pr and all that stuff but uh you blew up online yeah we basically blew up online the first thing that we we actually put physical copies out the album that was distributed through sony red so we got like major distribution but it was you know the label that we had started as a group so you know um but then yeah that became chorish and i guess uh, you know we kind of Bumped heads a lot too, because uh... it's hard. It's hard to be in a creative collaboration for a long time. I mean, there's a reason yeah. why
0: bands. Even bands that stay together forever, like you read yeah. interviews with like Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, like they don't really. Talk. They fucking hate each yeah, other. Yeah, the
2: Strokes, like all record their parts separately. I, uh, you I, know,
0: you know, yeah. It's like how did like how? Like, I guess there's got to be a few bands out there that, that, that
2: still like love each other. Like
0: stuff. you two, don't they like each other? <laughs> they
2: probably like each other. Yeah, except
0: for Bono. Or <laughs> they they, Bono, they can't. He's the I, one.
2: I heard Bono is actually like uh, people. He gets a bad rap.
0: <laughs> well hopefully yeah i mean he's, oh, yeah. I see, think he's he got a good heart he's
2: got a good heart he's been doing all the all the right stuff yeah uh he's know. easy to pick on yeah i'm sorry he's, yeah he's just kind of like people don't like his sunglasses or something you know it's like real well i think minor. it's a, i think it's a f- function of overexposure yeah yeah it's, and it's, he's it's been a, sort of quiet lately but there was a
0: period where like everywhere you looked he was he was he was there
2: yeah uh, there's got to be uh I, I feel like there's like bands i've like read that are like read about that are like old and still like each other. I feel like the bands that still like each other are usually the bands that are like not, didn't reach a certain level of success. It's like, once you get to a certain level of success, it's really, really hard to like (laughs) the other. Well, also the other thing I think was, um, I don't know. I just, uh, I didn't like having my image tied up in the image of a completely different person from me. You know, it's like, I couldn't separate myself from this group. You know, See, this
0: is the writer in you because writers, people who write books, especially like that sort of authority and that sort of control over their own work, their own voice, their own image, etc. cetera. It's a lot of what drives people to do it, I think. Yeah. Versus other types of writing. I mean, they're right. Like writing for film and television is much more collaborative. Yeah. yeah. People who are drawn to literature. It's like, I, I don't want to deal with people. Yeah, <laughs> it is.
2: It's a more of a, you know, and I've, you know, I've had, like, yeah, I've definitely like, I've always enjoyed the solitude uh of art making like that that in the act of making any kind of art is just like being comfortable alone working on a thing that's just you something in you becoming a physical object in the world and like how that's nice as a as a as a as a solitary activity though i do i do a lot of collab you know you can't really, especially music. You have to collaborate. Yeah, know? and that's fun too. I mean, it's not yeah. like it
0: totally sucks. It's just yeah. that I think those long-term relationships, where you're, you know, constantly trying to make art together, and then you talk about music. Like this is a part of it. Having never experienced it, that I've imagined would be difficult is touring. Oh yeah, being in a van, sleeping on floor, especially at the low levels. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's it's one thing if you're the Rolling Stones and you know you're yeah. at the Under Ritz hotels and stuff. Yeah. But people who are you know there are bands that have been on the road for ages, just mm-hmm. living on a bus together and <laughs> yeah that's rough
2: yeah i I always felt like that was uh that part never really bugged me as much as like the sort of overarching like I didn't like the name thats racist I feel yeah, like how did that, that, that come a, about uh i it was just sort of back when we were it was like a stupid project that we didn't like think was gonna go anywhere uh we just kind of like had to call it something and we had just a short list of all terrible names and then just went with that one out of, you know, they are all sort of like inside joke names. Like, however, anytime you're sitting around with a, a group, of, I feel like this was a bigger thing hella years ago and probably not as much of a thing anymore, but like, just like as a conversation thing, like band na- thinking of good band names, if you're like kicking it with like three people and like you, you get a, a, a solid collection of jokes under your belt, at a certain point you're like, Hey, what would our band be called if like we were a band? You know, like <laughs> right. and then like that kind of conversation. And the all the all of the band names that come up in those kind of conversations are usually the worst band names ever. And like that was just one of yeah. And that what that came really in bug- second. Das racist one. Do you remember? Uh Das Race. Oh man, there's like there's a few really good, terrible ones. Uh one was uh best weed on campus. <laughs> <laughs> so glad we didn't do that i mean that would have been just i mean maybe that would have been better i don't even know yeah you could be uh, at the
0: four seasons right yeah, now
2: <laughs> i would have been at the four seasons like telling them to move the, the oak table to the redwood room <laughs> no i mean no what i didn't like is we saw so much success as this group that i like i hated saying the name of the band people like it was the dumbest it made the dumbest jokes people had to crack the dumbest jokes when they heard it it like people like got mixed up like in Germany, you see Das Racist on like a poster and you're like, you cringe because you're like, just means the racist out here. Like, you know, and it's just like, it's, it's just, I don't know.
0: Wait, what does Das mean in German? It's
2: one, of, it's one of the thes. There's okay. Der, D, Das. Okay. And I guess racist might be the exact same word in German. Maybe a different spelling, but. All right. I mean, Germans, some Germans would think it was like a, like a, like be very confused. Like, I I thought this was like a white supremacist, you know, hardcore band or something, you know, it's like, but
0: it's it's subversive and, uh, in a certain context, depending on your, your humor, you know, it's, it can be conceived of as funny. It's subversive humor.
2: Yeah. I, yeah, I got that. I just didn't, I just wasn't a fan. And like every time, like we played at the fucking, uh, at Carnegie hall. And I just remember like, if I, when I wrote this fucking song about, white castle hamburgers <laughs> in 10 minutes high off cocaine in somebody's basement like i swear to god like if only i knew i was going to be at carnegie hall i would have like wrote a better song and like not called this band fucking dash racist and all uh, this every every ass it was like this sort of bittersweet like you wish on a genie lamp to like get rich and famous doing music and then like you forgot to mention that you don't want to have a shitty band name and like make <laughs> songs that are so dumb like, you forgot to mention that part, so the genie's like, okay, you got it, baby. And then it's like, it was just like. Actually, it, feels like it feels like a movie. This is going to be your first. Yeah, this is going yeah, to first... be your first Pixar
0: film. <laughs> das Racist. Disney Presents.
2: Yeah, so I just had to get out of there, man. Wow. So, and
0: now, now what are you up to? I mean, you're writing, you're writing novels. You're, uh, you're, you're doing visual art. You're still doing music yeah uh, you got a lot going on and you're living in baja
2: yeah yeah you know uh out mexico way you know wrote this little book here still still release a lot of music i i tour a little less since we had the baby but now that she's getting older and it's easier to you know leave it with folks or even take her to stuff like yeah. we we brought her to the reading last night I mean, she's been to a couple of shows but where like, is she now she's in the car she's uh <laughs> yeah she's just waiting in the car for... now uh she's over at uh we are staying at the homie's house so she got like a little spare room and whatnot cool. so uh, she's babysitting while we're over here awesome but um yeah you know uh she's she like the baby goes to shows and stuff but she can't keep the little headphones on yeah you now, gotta like, protect or, their ears yeah you gotta protect the ears because
0: so what's the what's the point pl- mean, do you have a plan you want to just keep doing all this stuff? Like, <laughs> uh, is, is there one is there one element of your creative life that you find most satisfying?
2: Um, I kind of feel like if I hadn't didn't have to worry about this or that obligation or money or anything, I probably would be doing all of this stuff, like writing and and drawing and painting and and. Uh, music and all that stuff but uh you'd be
0: doing it anyway
2: i probably would just be doing all this stuff anyway as a hobby so um i'm just trying to like continue to make it my job and just make a little more money doing it you're really prolific yes bro you make a lot of you make a lot of stuff (laughs) yeah it's like compulsive almost um and i like sometimes i like cringe every time are you on amphetamines like not sleeping Uh, making this stuff i I've, i've dabbled in amphetamines quite a few times yes uh (laughs) but uh but i mean like create like as your normal daily creative process my i don't need them so much as like i really want to finish these ideas so i need you know i need a little amphetamine to like finish the project on time or something but like uh it's not like i need to take speed to like uh you know think of an idea it's just like i want to bring the idea i already thought of to fruition which takes x amount of hours or something you know yeah and it's like but it's like I just did way too much recording over the past few years. I've like slowed the recording down a bit or significantly, I say, and it's been more about arranging the stuff I already recorded, maybe recording this or that to fit fill this or that project out. And it's just been a thing of I also like have a weird thing of like I can't let anything I make sit around and not be put out. Like I just want it all out in the world. Like I feel like I don't have to think about it as much if it's out in the world. You don't care if like you ever have a, a concern that like oh I'm
0: making too much shit and I'm putting too much out there. I need to slow it down.
2: Uh I definitely feel that way sometimes but like despite that I still put the shit out. Can't stop know. it. Oh uh, yeah, I like but See
0: this is good cuz I'm I'm sort of the opposite. I'm like neurotic and I'm overanalyzing. Like you just make it,
2: put it out there into the world. Yeah, I mean, catch and release. Yeah, sort of a catch and release program, yeah. That's good. <laughs> And, yeah. and like you have fun doing it. Yeah, I think it it, well, it helps too. I think the more stuff you show to other people, you see a reaction or or you don't see a reaction. It it <laughs> informs you as to like you know like how to f- effectively communicate. Oh, like I feel like I, I do it to for as much for me as for anyone. You know, as so, a, yeah, like a like learning. A, it's like a laboratory. Yeah, it's a lab. You know, and it's like yeah, sort of a scientific approach, like a sort of like Rivers Cuomo, but. Do all of that on the page, you know, like, and then let people see your work, you know, like, because, you know, there, there, a lot of the stuff, I I dropped 200 song mixtapes this year. But one of them was just, like, random shit I found on my computer. What does this
0: mean, a song mix? Like, you just make a tape. You make a recording of different songs. Yeah,
2: well, you, you call them a mixtape. I could call them an album. I don't know. Okay. It's just it's a semantic difference,
0: I okay. guess. Um, but it's not, like, other people's music. It's your music.
2: Well, uh, you know, like, uh, the, I think the etymology of the word mixtape, they called it that because you're going on other people's beats. And so there is a lot of that going on. But um, But then there's, like, a lot of original music. And this day and age, people just use it to... To basically distinguish it between like an official released album versus you know some kind of like less official stuff that you just kind of drop along alongside doing this or that um the less official albums are called mixtapes i guess if you want to put an industry sort of definition to it but uh yeah but then a lot of the stuff will just be like free literal just freestyles or garbage like songs that i like I just kind of tinkered with and added a bunch of delay or like slowed down or sped up or like added this or that effect until they sounded kind of like interesting, like as sort of like experimental song projects. Well,
0: but it, it strikes me as very contemporary because we have the technology to easily share creative work uh, across all, all sorts of different media. And I think that people who like your work and who connect with you online, uh, like you can reach them. And yeah, right. you can give them access to the entire process. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, that that's interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like... Yeah, that's like this day and age. I think there it, it makes for more prolific among artists. The, you know, like... And transparency. And, and transparency. You see the process. You see, you know, and you can go back and like... I've always, you know, I'm a big fan of E-40. He was super prolific. Mac Dre was hella prolific in his short amount of time on Earth. Uh, Gucci Mane, like... I think it's like like uh, Lil B, of course. Like, um, there's something too, and like Lil B will put out a lot of songs that, you know, you might not ever listen to that song again. But it was necessary to experience it within the body of work. You know, like it still informs you on how to. He almost like has like a like kind of manuals as to how to listen to his music. You know, he just gives you every last idea that he had. Cool Keith is another, like, kind of super prolific, you know, there's a million, and especially in, like, you know, rap, hip-hop, whatever you want to call it as a genre or collection, like, it prolific, you know, because it also comes out of that sampling culture, which comes out of, like, a, you know, um, sampling culture, also kind of the rise of, like, a technology that kind of, like, Can move as fast as the human brain it's like you people were like taking a long time to compose a symphony because you know you had to make sure every last violin player you know had the shit down you had to like write it for clarity for other people to be able to read it and pull it off you know it was only written down on paper and then the people performed it live and then as you like you kind of got you could get lax on stuff as recording music kind of started to happen and then as the technology gets better and better where it's like you can just record you know you know it's just the the difference between your brain and the actual physical world outside of your brain gr- shrinks as technology yeah. grows. Could like, I could I make a rap album? Uh yeah, you could. With what? Uh I want to drop a mixtape. You want to drop a mixtape? <laughs> yeah, I'll produce it, man. <laughs> Let's do it right now. Yeah, I mean uh, that's the thing is like uh I'm not a huge fan of uh a lot of <laughs> Caucasian rappers, no offense. You have not hurt me yet. <laughs> but i have plenty of white rapper friends <laughs> they try it's so no, cute when they yeah, try they, they, hey man i like uh i like my friends my white friends that rap uh i like most of their raps uh for the most part and um uh, and i like there's i have like a, a growing list of white rappers like uh there's a way to do it like you know but then there's a you know it's obviously it's an african-american art form so you know but then there's the you know i, I always talk about like uh What's weird is, okay, like, I don't want to name names, I guess, but... Oh, please. (laughs) I shouldn't, though, because it's like a a lot of these fools all share, like, a mutual friend or even, like, have kicked it with them a couple times, so I don't want to talk shit about people. But it's just,
0: like, I don't know. Well, it's weird. You know, I think about it. Like, you think about uh, the creative arts, and obviously there should be liberty. Like, if whatever people want to make... Mm-hmm. you know far be it for me to try to start drawing lines and making rules but yeah you don't exactly. see you don't see a lot of black dudes making country music yeah, exactly, so like bluegrass like... blue bands <laughs> you know but yeah white people have got to like yeah. go start rapping
2: yeah i think well, it was just because of like the concept of like you know you know it's like the long-standing like some like weird like some weird aspect of racism is also thinking black people are cool like while systemically oppressing them yeah (laughs) but i mean it's like
0: it's like i think about that with regard to sports fandom you know like down south especially yeah
2: it's crazy how like so many racist white people will still just watch like you know 30 black fools playing sports on tv every single you know like cheering for them week cheering cheering for for them them, and then just like not give a fuck about black people in their day-to-day life well but i think that there's like i've
0: read um there's a book called against football. I interviewed the author on this show and like, he makes a case in that book. If I'm remembering, remembering, uh, remembering it correctly that, uh, you know, it's kind of a, uh, a, a, an act of absolution in their minds, you know, by cheering for these people, it's a way of making yeah. themselves feel better. Yeah. And <laughs> I know? guess it's
2: also kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like the age old, like they only like us when we sing, dance and play basketball or whatever. Like right. there's, this like old, there's like, and um, it's super complex and blah blah blah. There's right. like so many angles to it, and I guess it's it's a non-threatening position because it's a, a position of entertainment, and you're still being subservient, even though you're showing that you're like an excellent at this thing. You're the star, but you're, you're also the entertainment. You're, yeah, you're you're the star, but you're the help. You know, like at at a certain point, you're you're still like the help in it, and so like there's no threat to this dude living his life in Alabama. You know, driving his truck like he doesn't feel threatened because he, you know, he can't play football <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as good as these guys anyway. So, so, but it's like as soon as like a Mexican dude, you know, gets like a, a job in a factory, you know, it's just like, oh, you stole my job, you know, right, like, right. yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm really oversimplifying, and you know? I'm not really saying it right, but you, you get kind of what I'm. No, those dynamics yeah. I mean, like, they're,
0: like the, all of these things are true. It's just that they're. I think they're. Um there's small truths in a giant messy tapestry of truths. Yeah, exactly you know it's very complicated
2: yeah and the thing about it is like yes white people totally yeah you can rap um there's no rules there's no like thing saying like you can't i'm just saying i personally there's a lot for some reason just sometimes it rubs me the wrong way or or often enough i don't know it's just like uh maybe it's just like people haven't really and what's uh, your ethnicity uh, you're, you're a mixed I'm, race? I'm, yeah, I'm like black and white Cuban. Uh, I got some Jewish in me, um, you know. Uh, All over the place. Yeah, you know. But uh, pretty much just like a mulatto, I guess is how some say.
0: And you said earlier you're a Muslim? Uh Did you convert? Uh, on
2: paper. I, I, I had to convert just kind of for legal reasons, but... Uh, so, uh, I, I don't think, I, I'm sure a lot of Muslims would not consider me a real Muslim. You don't uh, practice. And I'm not practicing, but I do, I like the literature. You so, know? what do you mean for legal reasons? Just, uh, I had to sign this thing, just like, um, we haven't gone there yet, but we we're planning on going to Iran. Oh, that's right. And yeah, and you can't, tra- I couldn't travel with her as, uh, unless she's my wife, really. I can't like be in the same like train car and stuff like that. Um, unless
0: your husband and Yeah. Okay.
2: Um and uh, and in order to be have a legal marriage you have to both be Muslim in in Iran. Uh a legally recognized marriage or whatever, so. Okay. Uh so yeah, so did, were you raised with religion? Um uh, like my mom's mom was Jewish, but she was kind of like uh sort of like atheist Marxist and she so my mom's like agnostic spiritual, I guess. And my dad uh like his family is either um like there's some Catholics and then some like various christians you know kind of like non-denominational christian there's a couple preachers in the family um and but he and so he was raised pretty religiously and went to catholic school and wanted me to go to catholic school we went to catholic school so like i was in fifth grade fourth grade and fuck you up uh not really actually i kind of appreciated like i read way more of the bible than i wouldn't have uh than i would have like uh, I I I really do like uh, a lot of aspects of of religion. I think that like the Bible, the Quran, and um, you know, the Torah, which is just the first half of the Bible, and like you know, like the Bhagavad Gita and the Tao Te Ching. Like, I think those are amazing books that have like a lot of you know a lot of good truth in them. And um, you got to be able to parse it though. Yeah, there's also a lot like, of craziness. There's a lot of craziness, especially in um, you know in the torah the the old the hebrew scriptures um but even yeah, revelations in the new testament like there's a lot of crazy shit going on in those books but you know if if you read it with like a sort of you know you got to read it with nuance like there's a lot of violence in a scorsese movie but there's still like messages of love and peace you know right thrown in there you just kind of like got to take it with you read it as literature and you let it inspire you and blah blah blah
0: well, I wish but, everybody did that
2: yeah no 'cause that's uh that's <laughs> definitely a, church as an institution is a totally different thing i feel like as church as a as a literature you know like uh religion as a as yeah as an institution is is pretty It doesn't have the best uh rap sheet yeah um so what to
0: is, what's what's really. gonna happen when we die do you have a feeling
2: uh you know like it's like it's kind of um it's like one of those things. It's like I, I'll figure it out when I get there. I'm not like too, <laughs> you know. I'm not tripping off it too hard. Yeah. And it's kind of like that's uh, a good
0: attitude. Yeah.
2: I'll figure it out when I get there. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'll see soon enough. It's you know, or maybe I'll never die. I'll be tied too. But yeah. At that point, like you know, then Sing- the singularity of life and that yeah singularity. You know, uh, you know, like uh, that as as you know, you kind of if you sit and think about it, you like ponder and navel gaze for long enough. You kind of, you know, you just kind of, like, you just sit down, at like, on a little grassy hill and stare at the sky and all the clouds and stuff and get to thinking, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like you're the physical, you're your mere physical shell and all this stuff. It's like, what's the difference between being alive or not? Like, what is existence, you know, but this present moment of now and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, there's like, uh, I don't know, like. Yeah, the thing is, it's like if you die and nothing happens, and there's nothing to perceive that, there's no difference between nothing happening in any of the possible theories. Ah, yeah, basically. Figure it out when you get there. Figure it out when you get there. (laughs) I should have just stopped there. That was like real poetic. (laughs) That was bad. That
0: That was brilliant. That's the best answer I've ever gotten to that question. That's what's up. Um, Well, it's it's such a pleasure to meet you and to talk to you. Congratulations on the novel, on the music, on the visual art, on the baby. On Thanks, the place bro. in Mexico. Everything that you got going on. Thanks, bro. And, Appreciate uh, you know, I wish you luck on, on whatever comes next. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. All right, guys. There you go. Cool AD. His novel is called Okay. It's available from Sorry House. You can find it over at sorryhouse.com. You can find Cool AD uh, in a variety of places around the Internet. You can find him on Twitter. His music is available over at uh, coolad.bandcamp.com. I think I got that right. If you're a Bandcamp person. It's all over the place. You can track him down. The novel is called Okay. Available now from Sorry House. Thanks to Kill Rock Stars for all the mu- or for the theme song music. Stereo Total for the theme song music. Thanks to Cool AD for the transitional music. You're listening to Cool AD right now. I hope that's okay. Figured it was apropos. Don't forget about uh, the Other People with Brad Listy app. This podcast has its own app. It's free. It's the official Other People with Brad Listy app. Get it wherever you get your apps. It's free. It's a free app. It's free. You get the most recent 50 episodes for free if you want everything, if you want more, if you want my conversations with authors like George Saunders, Tom Parada, Jonathan Letham, Cheryl Strayed, Roxanne Gase, uh, Amy Bender, Susan Orlean, Edwidge Dantica. The list goes on. You just sign up for a premium subscription costs as little as 75 cents a month gets you access to everything anywhere you go at your fingertips you can also support the program over at patreon patreon.com slash other ppl pod thanks to everybody who's done that so far it helps this show cannot exist without your support really appreciate it
1: alright that was fun
0: I'm uh, trying to balance my feelings of civic duty and wanting to stay informed with my desire to have uh, robust mental and physical well uh, being. Anybody else trying to, to walk that wire with me right now? The dawn of the age of Trump.
1: Trying to make that happen. My
0: mom is calling. My mom literally just tried to call me, but I didn't answer it. I'm committed to finishing this podcast right now. But yeah, you know, I'm just trying, I'm trying to read the news, but I'm feeling physically ill when I read the, when I read the news, I can't watch cable news at all. It's probably no loss. So it's like, what do you do? You know, I've heard some people say you should just tune it all out, you know, build your little bubble. I don't know if that's the answer got to be a citizen but you can't get so physically ill that you're like you know unable to function it's not the answer either finished a big revision on my book this week feeling good about that getting closer my agent is uh, reading it i sent it to her my editor also reading it probably going to get another round of notes probably going to do another revision Wrap it up and then I think uh, take the thing out to the marketplace in early 2017. See what happens.
1: Anyway, you know.
0: Please remember that uh, I don't I don't have anything prepared for this today. I usually always do. Please remember that like Henry David Thoreau died in his like 40s. <laughs> and please remember that. Franklin Delano Roosevelt died when he was 63 Two years before social security Would have kicked in for him theoretically I Need to come up with some new Gimmicks When a man with money meets a man with experience The man with experience becomes the man with money And the man with money becomes the man with experience Does that make any sense? i like been reading a lot Report. Trying to pack my head full of books It's a nice distraction you Gotta pack your head full of books, people Good books Choose wisely a buzzing sound? It's like I'm hearing a buzzing sound. My headphones. It's driving me up the wall. Anyway,
1: yo, yo, shout to Mike Baker and Track though. Love Alameda, but that shit was whack though. Light skin, was still black though. Still don't know how to act though. Know how to stack though. Really, I just go where the track
0: goes. Fondling my microphone to try to locate the buzzing noise. There we go like the Seem to, uh, to have nullified, have nullified the buzzing By so gripping bad the bad microphone bad tightly
1: bad like, do that, don't
0: Why don't I get out of the way And we'll just let Kool-Aid Day close this thing out How does that sound? I'll be back next week Happy Holidays
1: a couple bills still watch the grass grow just don't let them snipe you on the tax, though. They treat you like a child, make them wipe you on the ass, too. They could laugh, you could laugh, too. And who laughs, last, and who's who? I don't got a fool's clue. Yo, I'm a TV show, man. I'm Blue's Clues. If you don't get it, then boo-hoo. I'ma get up on my paper like the Jews do. I used to paper hate, but now I'm on the paper like a paper maze. Stay awake to the ways of the world, cause shit is D, Like the cousin asleep, I'm bugging, I'm buzzing. Like every single day of the week, I used to play in the street. tether ball with a tennis ball four shoelaces naturally adapted have more than two faces probably even something like 42 faces ambiguous mistaken for like 42 races but you know it's cool though y'all know it's cool yo Kehinde Wiley in Israel singing fake blues Patricia Williams talks a good game but who makes her shoes and do we need shoes or should we grow calluses and hold chalices of old gold and Shabazz palaces how many malnourished Asian kids have you fed today is Adderall covered by Medicaid is Manny Pacquiao welter or featherweight if I thought about it hard could i levitate is chris angel effeminate Just answer don't hesitate don't got love guess you better hate but study your mythology methodically and tally all the odds of every odyssey gotta be huh yeah i don't even know though but what times more than the dodo many poor righteous teachers go the way of the dodo yo the party at the crossroads is over but yo 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 after the party it's the after party and then Revolution probably won't be sponsored alive with Cardi B, Nardi G. Silent like lasagna when I puff the Bob Marley. See me eating but starving. A, a Persian or a Spartan or a curve or an arc in a chart upwards. My heart is a starfish, enough words. Hey, a star man, but I struck earth. <laughs> Fuck first and love later. Shrug haters off. Y'all think y'all swift, but y'all tailor soft. <laughs> I'm learning how to be a boss and paying the cost now. I'm pasta laying the sauce now. Tell me, basta, you slaying and I probably will, y'all. <laughs> I'm not a killer, but some of y'all gotta be killed. This ain't the lottery, chill. Anthropology still couldn't analyze my pottery, still. Anthropology still couldn't analyze my pottery, still. Anthropology still couldn't analyze my pottery, still anthropology still couldn't analyze my pottery still